Welcome to Pod TST. I'm Kenneth Arthur, and today I'm going to talk briefly about the Rams beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football 27 24. The Rams improved to 7 and 3, and uh, they are in first place in the NFC West, holding the tiebreaker advantage over the Seahawks thanks to their head to head win with against them last week. So now the defense has knocked out Russell Wilson and forced him to have his worst game of the season, if not in basically a year. They have now knocked out Tom Brady, forced him to have his worst game of the season. I mean, you can make an argument for his most recent outing against the New Orleans Saints. I think he had three interceptions in that game. But, you know, he hasn't had this low of a yards per attempt in, in, in over a year. And really, it was just just really suffocating an offense that had Chris Godwin and, uh, and uh, Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans and Ronald Jones. And, and they snuffed out all those players. Um, and they held the, the Bucks to 251 total yards, 209 passing, 42 rushing. Uh, the, the Rams ranked first in yards allowed this season, second in points allowed, first uh, this season in passing touchdowns allowed, first in net yards per pass attempt allowed, second in passing yards allowed, fifth in rushing yards allowed, sixth in yards per carry allowed. Um, and this, the, the Rams are 7-3. and three. They've turned the ball over in every single game. You know, I mean, I go through puberty when I think about how many times the Rams have turned the ball over this season. They're 23rd in turnovers, uh, two turnovers last night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they win forcing two turnovers, two interceptions of Tom Brady by Jordan Fuller, the star rookie safety who has breathed new life and energy and hope and optimism into uh, the defense. Not that they needed it, you know, but it's pretty clear that how interesting the 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 some of the lapses the defense has had coincides with uh, Jordan Fuller being out and how some of their big plays to come together in the fourth quarter have come via Jordan Fuller. You know, and this this guy falls to the sixth round, but but he he has helped them. You know, he went out of the Bills game, and then they. What if Jordan Fuller had been in that Bills game? Would the Rams not be eight and two right now instead of seven and three? Arguments to be made, uh, but they are seven and three. They are in first place in the NFC West. They're in the number two seed in the NFC, one game behind the New Orleans Saints for the all important one seed, and it's thanks to them having arguably the best defense in the nfl second in points per drive allowed um but what really came together on monday night more than uh, that was what they really needed i don't want to say more than the defense because i wouldn't necessarily say that when jared goff you know throws two interceptions has a fumble that doesn't look too uh good for his attention span uh, you you can't say that the offense was exactly the most encouraging, but they, they scored 27 points. Could have been 30 if Matt Gay makes his field goal attempt from 44 yards out that he missed. But uh, more importantly than that is that a couple of receivers who had yet to really get off this season, uh, get off the uh, starting blocks. I, I don't want to mix words here or even mince them, but uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, both topping 100 and uh, some odd yards. I think Cooper Cup had 145. Robert Woods, I believe, was at 130. Uh, I believe 11 catches for Woods and 10 for Cup. Uh, and so Cup now has 64 catches for 722 yards on the season. And Robert Woods has 54 for 599. 
Together, they both have over 700 total yards from scrimmage. Robert Woods has seven touchdowns. Cooper Cup has two. Uh, and, and Robert Woods scored last night again. Uh, Van Jefferson and Cam Akers caught touchdowns. And, and, you know, Van Jefferson now his total numbers on the season. 11 catches on 16 targets for 143 yards. And that touchdown averaging 8.9 yards per target. But not often targeted. Will that change? It didn't really seem to change on Monday night. It was only the one target. Clearly a package drawn up for we think that Van Jefferson can catch this and that they can't stop this and it'll be perfect. And it was. It, it worked out. Uh, can't pull that off again necessarily. You know, next time they're at the six-yard line and Van Jefferson is lined up one-on-one -on -one at the edge, you know, it was so obvious that even Brian Greasy could call it out, which is uh, pretty damn obvious. Uh, I don't know what people's thoughts are on ESPN's coverage of Monday Night Football. My thoughts are it's pretty bad. It's pretty mediocre. They did they do better than uh, the the broadcast crew of I'm saying I'm gonna say Joe Tessitore. I don't have to follow. I don't follow these people. I don't have to follow these people. I don't know a ton about them once they moved on from you know Mike Tirico and John Gruden. Uh, I don't know anything really about Joe Tessitore. I know that you guys out there listening probably better authority on some of these old names than I am. But, uh, but yeah, Joe Tessitore, Jason Witten, and Anthony McFarland. And now it is uh, Steve Levy and uh, or Levy. Uh, you got Lance Reddick and uh, uh, the other guy, Brian Greasy, that I already mentioned him. So I don't even have to feel bad that I didn't get that right away. But um I don't know. I don't think I don't see anyone who believes Brian Greasy is adding anything to the table whatsoever. He kind of is that person who's out there that makes you feel like you could do this job. He says the thoughts, not even like the thoughts. It's just like, well, this is four down territory, you know, like saying those catchphrase, those little phrases uh, that 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 are so obvious that you've heard a million times. And it's just like, oh, yeah, this is four down territory. Oh, that. There's nothing to be added. It, it really feels like Brian Greasy is a commentator uh, that was born in a lab uh, mixed with all the other uh, previous generic people that came before him. Uh, there's nothing really special or enticing about uh, listening to Brian Greasy. Similarly with Steve Levy, I, you know, it just kind of came out of a sports center lab, said like, hey, here he is. Here's this guy. He doesn't say anything offensive or interesting. So enjoy, you know, at least as Al Michaels gets closer and closer to, uh, I guess, the end. He he seems to be uh, more freewheeling and, and maybe even and he's always been pretty open. And that's what we like about him, I think, his his honesty and his, uh, 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 you know, just he is who he is, kind of a curmudgeon old man in some degree, and, and that might be also getting more and more obvious and apparent recently. But, uh, you know, I think my Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, great. I, I'm, fine, I'm fine with Chris Collinsworth. I'm into it usually. I mean, his association with PFF is uh, always going to follow him around like a dark cloud. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously – promoting this thing on NBC for uh, financial gain that uh, for these grades that have so little meaning. I mean, it's got to be embarrassing for some people to put up those grades 
with player faces on Sunday Night Football when they're saying, like, okay, well, here's the roster and here's their little faces, and they used to do that for all the players, and now they've got their PFF grades underneath it with their ranking, and it says, like, oh, Stefan Gilmore, 67 out of 138, and it's like, did anybody uh, need this? Does anybody think that this is accurate? Does anybody give a shit about this? Does anybody look at that and go, oh, yeah, I believe that. Stefan Gilmore does seem like number 67 out of 138. Uh, it doesn't track. It doesn't make any sense, and it's got to be embarrassing. But there it is. It's not as embarrassing for Chris Collinsworth because of uh, the paychecks and the money that comes in from him being able to promote the thing from which he has invested uh, so much of his own money, which uh, probably just a drop in the Chris Collinsworth bucket. But, uh, but at least we are forced to watch it. And uh, so they don't got anything of note with Brian Greasy and Steve Levy. And uh, they continue to do these really awful segments that have no originality. Like, hey, let's talk about Tom Brady being pick 199. And we'll show that picture of him at the combine with his shirt off. Is this because did did uh, did did Brian Greasy? I mean, are all these commentators, they just they've never watched a broadcast before. And so like they're like, yeah, we can go with that. Does the director, is it a new director and he's never known this before and this is this has become uh, new information to him or her? The, the, you know, the, the we're, now let's talk about Tom Brady's being picked 199. What year is it? We're still doing this? We're still talking about Sean McVay and his coaching tree uh, and, and you, you know, like <laughs> he started out in Tampa Bay and he's great. Okay, what's going on now? What's going on today? Do you have any, uh, you know, you're ESPN. You're the worldwide leader, they say, in sports. So do you have any new insight into any of these players or coaches or teams? Do you have anything new to add? That would be phenomenal, you know, if, you, if ESPN had anything new to add. Uh, because that not that where the Disney money goes? I mean, I don't really need anybody on ESPN. I mean, it's all very... It's the SNL of the sports world, right? Like, it's irrelevant. Uh, Monday Night Football is completely irrelevant. It used to be the premier football show. It's completely irrelevant. People watch it because they want to see the teams, and then yet we are forced to also – whenever you want to watch your favorite team, you're forced to take in uh, the broadcast that comes with them. And, you know, you can mute it. You can try something else. But pretty much you're getting this. You're getting ESPN's intentionally mediocre graphics department uh, being like, here is Tom Brady eating a turkey leg. And by the way, Brian Greasy, would you say something about the Monday Night Football Cups because you didn't get anything for the graphics crew for Christmas? Uh, they're not getting any bonuses. Uh, so would you at least say that you like their Monday Night Football Cups? Because they worked really hard to develop cups and then write Monday Night Football or MNF on them. So uh, make sure to do that. Also, you know, so we've got two and a half million viewers here for this game. So uh, let's get that in. Uh, I, I don't really, you know, I know Tony Romo, he just had this natural gift. It wasn't, it's not, it's clearly not just about playing the game at a high level. It's clearly not about playing the game recently. We saw that with Jason Witten. We see that with Aqib Tlaib. Uh, I, I didn't even really see much of the Aqib Tlaib thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm interested in it and, and definitely excited to listen to a full game with Aqib Tlaib calling out as a, a color commentator. But I, I don't, uh, I, I didn't hear anything of, of great note. You know, it's just like that Brian Greasy throwing in 
uh, something that we all know already because that we're filling air. I mean, this is 90% of content now, is it not? Filling air. It, it, this is the social media world. Uh, everybody feels like it's their duty to fill air and that there's, there's some sort of gap if you don't talk. Uh, trust me, there isn't. Um, uh, I should not be filling air <laughs> sometimes, all the time. But the 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 the, the Monday Night Football broadcast, uh, I want I'll, I will give a positive note to Lance Reddick because Lance Reddick <laughs> is not who I want to say anything for because. Uh, Lance Reddick is an American actor and musician best known for playing Cedric Daniels in The Wire and Philip Broyles in The Fringe. I didn't think that that was uh, the night, the name of it I was looking for. Lewis Reddick. Ah, come on. I'm not the first person to say Lance Reddick when I meant Lewis Reddick. Uh, Lewis Reddick, good job. You know, like Lewis Reddick adding something for me doing something for the uh, Monday Night crew, Lance Reddick doing something for me, Love the Wire, uh, very funny in a show called Corporate, uh, which is not that funny, uh, but, you know, Corporate, not a funny show, but uh, Lance Reddick, enjoyable to watch, and uh, ESPN Monday Night Football, not, uh, not a high-quality broadcast, you know, like Saturday Night Live, it's it's gone by the wayside. They're putting out their, like, maybe their easiest content possible, the, the least amount of work that gets the job done. It's that office space mentality, the least amount to not get fired. That's what ESPN is doing. Um, but through that, we might still find some quality talent, and uh, that's where we get Lewis Riddick, uh, who, who I think does bring something to the table, and around them, I guess, you can have mediocre uh, um, uh, broadcasting and then whatever. We'll move on. We'll move through it. We'll get past this. Um, but overall, my grade for the broadcast by ESPN is a flat D+. Plus. Uh, the Rams, you know, it's got to be a B plus. You know, I'm going to say B plus because... You know, Jared Goff made that game too interesting. The Rams could have done even better. Um, I, 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 they shut down the Bucks' running game. They shut down each of their receivers. All these talented players were averaging three, four, five yards per target. Defense is phenomenal. They did it against the Seahawks a week earlier. They did it against the Bucks. You got to have confidence moving forward that the Rams defense is capable of beating any team in the league this is a super bowl contender they're coming up they got the 49ers the cardinals the patriots the jets they can win those four games they'll be 11 and 3 headed to seattle and that's going to be very important for the rams to have as many wins as possible before they go to seattle because the rams are 4-0 at home and they're 3-3 and on the road they have only two road games remaining at arizona at seattle two difficult road games, but they just went to Tampa Bay, a difficult road game. They did get a little bit of extra time um, for Monday night uh, and beat, but they did beat them 27, 24 to go to the East coast. Now they just have to make that quick jaunt over to Phoenix for an afternoon game on December 6th. 
and then quickly up to Seattle for an afternoon game on December 27th, although that game will probably be flexed, uh, especially you know if both of these teams continue to win, and they do have winnable schedules over the next four weeks. So 11-3 and versus 11-3 and is possible, and it'll almost certainly be for first place in the NFC West. Uh, but really great games for Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Sean McVay's play calling. Absolutely a good night, I think, overall for, for the offensive line in terms of, you know, I guess doing what they needed to do because this is a very, very good front seven, maybe the best front seven in the NFL with Tampa Bay and uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup were really able to beat their secondary, and that, that helped a lot. And so Sean McVay and Kevin O'Connell, you know, their game plan to beat a team that they knew they couldn't run the football against, uh, which has typically been a problem for them like it was against the New York Giants. They, they, they did not have that. Even though they did have the running issue, they didn't have the scoring and the offensive issues that they had against the Giants. And then when you add in their defensive play against Tom Brady, confusing him, putting him into pressure situations, making bad throws, and then Jordan Fuller coming away with those two interceptions, hauling them in and ending the game. Uh, very important there, as the Rams may have the best defense in the NFL, but they also have uh, a, still a threatening offense, you know, and still an offense that uh, even though they are just 17th in scoring and, and they're not, they haven't scored 30 since Washington. Matt Gay could have made that kick and, and they would have scored 30 on Monday night maybe. But they haven't scored 30 since Washington in week five. They haven't scored over 30 since Buffalo in week three. So it's not a high-scoring team, 21st in points per drive, and they would like more of that. And I think we did see more of that because Robert Woods and Cooper Cup played so well. Um, that's mostly all I need to say this week on Pod TSD. I didn't, you know, need to say anything, but I did want to say something to you out there so that you know that this uh, show is. Still coming out uh, this week early and uh, potentially more often. So that's it for Pod TST. And uh, the, the Rams are 7-3 and, and back in first place in the NFC West.